0: A Start On Demand. demand.
1: A warning about thin ice after a 14-year-old fell through the ice on the Seine River. We'll find out how to recognize what's safe and what's not. You've taken everything away from me. That's what one Winnipeg business owner is saying to Canada's leaders, including Justin Trudeau. She is fed up with them, just as the CRA wants her Serb back. We'll talk about how to order wine with takeout, and specifically, we'll find out what goes well with gravy as well as potato chips. And just who is Chris Strafolsky? Why, it's Chris Streveler, and an American Sports Podcast got really excited about the former Winnipeg Blue Bomber quarterback. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling, who's back on Thursday, and Loren McNabb, who is off on Thursday. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and this is the Wednesday, December 30th podcast for The Start. Tomorrow, sunny, becoming a mix of sun and cloud in the afternoon with a high of minus 7. And what is happening with my script? (laughs) I, I don't... Okay, hang on a second here. We're getting off to a... An amusing start today. My computer's doing funny things. Sorry. High minus seven tomorrow. Friday, mix of sun and cloud with a high of minus eight. It is minus 11. Feels like minus 17. Outside 680 CJOB. Weather is for history. Heroes fall. Legends rise. Valhalla awaits. The final season of Vikings premieres Friday on History. History. McGarry McNabb, Mackling Back Tomorrow. Yeah, I had like in 30 seconds, I had everything go wrong all at once because I was scrambling to try to get a, a printed copy of our lineup to Fortier. There's a paper jam. In the printer, so it, the, the the printer tells you where the jam is. So I open up one one tray and pull out this sheet of paper, and then it I close it, and it says there's another paper jam in this spot. So I do that, and now it says, and then it says system error. Please turn the printer off and turn it back on again. So I'm kicking the printer. Forte sticks his head out the out of the door and says <laughs> weather in 20 seconds. <laughs> so I come back in, and as I'm reading the weather, my screen starts to move because the we have these microphone arms that are really low because eventually the idea is that we'll be on camera. So the way that this microphone arm sits, it was sitting on my keyboard and it was causing my text to start shifting all over the place. So anyway, I just got to take a deep breath here, Loren, and uh, and carry on.
2: You know what? This, I think, just prompts a great conversation. If you work in an office, what is the most hated office appliance for lack of a better word because it's the reason why the printer was featured in the office the uh, that movie's got to be 20 years old now at least and why they beat the heck out of it (laughs)
3: That's uh, such in a that fantastic
2: scene. scene. Oh my gosh. We turned it on just the other day when I was on holidays and we both were like, whoa, whoa wait, 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 let's, let's see this through because <laughs> it was approaching that scene where that one Michael Bolton <laughs> just <laughs> takes a leg hammer, like a jackhammer to that printer and then goes back at it to punch it. Like it's like a, oh, I love that scene. I think the printer, it makes no sense. It seems like it's relatively simple. And it's the thing I used to have to call engineers for all the time in the office is the printer.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't seem to matter what kind of a printer it is. It doesn't matter which office. Nope. The printer is always a problem. And I don't, of all the things that they they've figured out in this world in terms of technology, I don't understand why printers continue to be a pain all day long, every day.
2: And we're not printing anything out in our case at least, that's fancy. Like, we're not doing pictures or trying to laminate and staple inside that printer. We're not doing double-sided copy. We're not even scanning. We are just straight up printing out a Word document (laughs) with just plain text, (laughs) like Calibri font or Arial. Nothing's fancy about it, Brett. And yet, here we are. It doesn't work.
1: Okay. So, anyway, Forte. I'll figure it out eventually and get you a copy of the lineup. Loren sent it out as well. Sounds good. Uh, in, the, in the email. Um, so as we approach New Year, I th- I, we can get away with this kind of stuff because it's almost the end of the year. And uh, we're going to have some fun today with Chris Trafolsky. Who is Chris Trafolsky, Loren McNabb?
2: Well, this is so great. And we're going to play a bit of this audio at 637, Brett. But I, And I'm trying to figure out this show. It's an American sports show. Yeah. Chris Strevler, as we all might probably know by now, is backup quarterback uh, for the Arizona Cardinals. He might get a start on Sunday, I believe it is, uh, because the quarterback is injured. But so that obviously stations in Arizona have gone looking to find out more about Chris Strevler. And in the process, stumbled upon, of course, his iconic Grey Cup parade photo and video and played that for some other listeners. But then also. <laughs> named him along the way, Chris Trafalsky, So they did some research on him because they were curious who their quarterback was going to be, but didn't do enough in my opinion, if you're going to get the name wrong.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's this Pat McAfee. He's a former NFL punter and uh, he's got his own podcast. He's also a wrestler and a comedian. So I had never heard of this. Greg sent uh, shared us this tweet. You had seen it already. Uh, that's, it's at Pat McAfee show. Uh, we've also linked it to our 680 cjob instagram story if you want to see this video but it's really it's fun and i think it's great for the bombers as well right any any recognition or any attention that gets paid to chris strevler automatically shines the light on the bombers because you can't talk about Streveler and who he is and what he's done without highlighting the gray cup victory so
2: no and how often they even mentioned it in their package that they ran out of arizona how often is that cfl making it in highlights in the states anyway right and here they are talking about it running clips from the gray cup game uh and of course that parade and i'm curious it looks a lot like our video global yes videos <laughs> yeah there, there was
1: a the global news logo in was the, there yeah
2: i wondered that so yeah well uh it's it's a lot of fun and we like we said we want to give you a few last to end the week because we know this has been one heck of a year but of course we'll talk about some more serious stuff too. Seven o'clock. We've got polling done by Ipsos. Are you happier this year than you were last year, Brett?
1: Well, this year has been an interesting year for me overall. Uh, pandemic aside, I was super depressed for uh, the bulk of this year. I didn't snap out of it until about September. Um, so the pandemic, I, I, I don't, I think it obviously didn't help mm-hmm. that, but. Uh, as I look back on the year overall, I did some reflecting on trying to figure out, you know, was this a, a good year overall? And I think I think in the end, kind of, yeah. It's been such a an odd year but I made some new friends. I strengthened some existing friendships, um, and uh, I became heavily acquainted with Winnipeg's restaurant and takeout <laughs> <laughs> industry. So I ate very well in 2020. So uh, yeah, I, I, my, in terms of finance or finances, you know, if we're talking to Ipsos about finances, I, I'm a little embarrassed with how little money I have saved. This year, I was very irresponsible with my cash. So that's, I got to fall on the sword there. But I don't know if that really answered your question. I'm kind of rambling on that. No, I
2: think, but you know, that it's something I want our listeners to think about because if you really look back, where are you at, right? And I think that just depends on, did you lose your job? Did your office move? Were you sent home? Were you sent back to work? Were you sent back home again? Sent back to work, you know? Uh, Are you still looking for work? There's all sorts of factors in that, but they ask Canadians all sorts of questions. The results, I think, are a bit surprising in some cases. And if there's time, we'll even ask how... uh, Canadians rated their sex lives this year compared to last year, Brett, because that's oh. part of the questions, too. Oh, I'm okay. not going to ask you that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we want to talk about Chris Strafolski right now. Yesterday, Greg sends us a tweet from Pat McAfee. He's a former NFL punter. He's a media personality. He's got a podcast. And he has a new favorite football player. As Bob Irving mentioned yesterday during breakfast with the Bombers, Arizona Cardinals starter Kyler Murray may not play in the final week of the regular season with a playoff spot on the line due to a lower leg injury. So that would mean a promotion for former Winnipeg Blue Bomber quarterback Chris Strebler. So yesterday, Pat McAfee and his crew had some fun As they investigated just who Chris is. Here's how that went down.
0: Playing against the Arizona Cardinals. Okay? You know starting a quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals potentially? Because Kyler Murray has a lower leg injury that they don't know if he'll be able to play Sunday. Chris Strafolski. Really? This guy won the gray cup at the CFL. This might be my new favorite football player.
1: The Blue Bombers. This
0: guy played for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. This guy. Oh no. This guy. This is from a Grey Cup victory parade where he has the microphone in front of about All a I thousand. What
4: say says, man? Have you guys seen the Grey Cup yet? It's hey, pretty awesome. <laughs> man. Yeah, it's pretty hell awesome. Yeah, it's yeah, hell yeah. We got the best fans in the CFL. It's not even close. Not man. even close. Uh, uh. I love you guys. We love you guys, man. A lot of love. This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Uh, absurd, dude. Thank you guys so much for everything this season, man. Big
0: energy? Is that the kicker trying I'm to get it? I'm lit right now. You're all lit right now. This is amazing. man. We're yeah. lit. <laughs> I love you guys, man. We love you, too. <laughs> and we're Grey Cup champions. Yeah, it is. <laughs> he was wearing cowboy hat, fur coat, big chain, by the way. Big beard. I love that man. I don't know how he isn't a starter in the NFL right now. He's potentially playing for the Arizona Cardinals playoff hopes this weekend against a guy named Wolford.
1: If you can win in Winnipeg, you can win anywhere, Pat. I,
0: by the way, I watched some highlights of him, and I don't know if we could play CFL highlights or not. He's a player. Dude, running a through This dude is a player. Now, I don't know if Sean McVay and Wolfert know what they got potentially lined up in the desert against them with this guy, but I did a lot of internet surfing on old Chris Tafalski. He is a problem. Mm-hmm. I think I'm hammering the Cardinals. Depending upon if Wolfert's quarterback for the L.A. Rams. Good luck, okay? Uh-huh. And I understand Aaron Donald's over there, maybe the greatest football player of all time, whenever it's all said and done by everybody. I am hammering so hard Chris Trafalski. Whoa! Chris Trafalski,
1: that guy is my guy. So as you pointed out earlier, Loren, <laughs> obviously he didn't quite do the research with the name, but I'm, I enjoyed this video so much because it reminded me of when Greg and I yeah. First spoke to Chris Streveler. He had been with the the organization for like three days, I think. This was a couple of years ago. The team put him up for breakfast with the Bombers. We didn't know who he was. He was brought in as like a third string quarterback option. Like maybe he would make the team, maybe not. He wasn't even in the conversation for backup quarterback at the time like I, I remember after we spoke to Chris we asked Bob about Strebler and Bob said well yeah you know he'll get his shot too but he wasn't in the the mix but Greg and I were both watching highlights of this kid from his college days and we're thinking like why is he This guy looks like a potential star, never mind, uh, you know, just the third string. So to see their enthusiastic reaction to his play and, of course, to his chicanery post-Grey Cup uh, just makes me so happy.
2: Yeah, it's funny because when I was watching it, I... um first I was like I I didn't know I I don't watch enough NFL to know who Patrick McAfee is or that he was a wrestler or anything but I I know he's got a, the podcast now and of course he I think he was CBS and ESPN at one point so I had to go do some research on him because I was like who is this guy talking about Chris Strebler because they're like who is Chris Strebler so I did the the whole thing in reverse on the yeah. research front but I what in watching it it when you talk about the joy it also brings you back to that moment right about the good times that we have had and it's nice to recall those in the past year and i was like yes they're gonna play the whole thing where he's like (laughs) you're lit i'm lit we're all lit I i like how they love it and then even better not only did they call him chris strafalski but there was one point in this video where they they really didn't quite know or one of them didn't quite know winnipeg
1: yeah let's just see how that went I'm sorry, the internet is quite frustrated with Gumpy right now. Why?
5: Uh, him claiming that Winnipeg is on the East Coast. <laughs> 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 oh, no. Oh,
4: oh, no.
0: We have the least Canadian. Oh, no. Oh, it's literally in the middle of the country. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what would what, you call that? Uh, the middle east the, middle, the,
1: the <laughs> middle middle east of canada
0: i would say that is the direct middle of canada you, whenever you say east coast canada. i mean i guess it so would be for,
1: when i say east coast i basically say anywhere other than british columbia is east coast to me cuz i live on the west coast yeah,
0: yeah, but and it's
1: not right it's far from right
0: People live in all these places over here. Not that you, f- you know, yeah, I man, guess, but
1: absolutely. kind uh,
0: Like, there's somebody who lives up in this area. That's is
1: that Russia? <laughs> so they went on to talk about like, so are there people living way up here? And yeah, they had this- a map, right? They yeah.
2: pulled up the map. That was the best part when they said, "You're calling Winnipeg the West Coast," and then the map pops up, and we're in the middle, right? Oh, and then they went on, as you said, Brett, to talk about their confusion over the entire geographic possibility of living here i think
1: yeah and is that where they do the sled dog races so (laughs) clearly they're they, they they're they're educating themselves on the fly about canada and about canadian football there were a couple of points where they they talked about the CFL being like a state fair sideshow so not entirely happy about that but overall very amusing so if you want to see the video of them talking about Chris Strebler again we have linked that to our 680 CJOB Instagram story and hopefully he gets to play hopefully he gets to play because again as we mentioned earlier any attention Strebler gets means that's attention for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers uh, on, from coming from the NFL that's awesome stuff so- Gary and McNabb Mackling is back tomorrow. Coming up at 9.35, we're going to have a conversation with somebody about ordering alcohol with takeout, ordering wine with takeout. We'll speak to our Somali friend from 529 Wellington, Christ- Christopher Sprague. Love talking to Chris because he just he's so excited all the time to talk about wine and he always I don't know that I've ever met anybody who knows more about their job than that man. He can tell you like the soil conditions in like the country of Georgia and why that makes the wine there so special. But he mentioned to me when I was talking to him to set up the segment that he was out cross-country skiing for the first time. Uh, because he has a bit more time in his hands. He thought he wanted to try something new. says it didn't go very well. <laughs> Spent more time on the ground uh, on his butt than he did on the skis, but he had fun learning it. So I thought, you know what, let's talk about that because maybe I'm guessing there will be more of us getting outside to try something new or maybe revisit something for the first time in a long time or maybe you don't want anything to do with it. Maybe you hate winter and you just want to sit on your couch and hibernate for the next four months. So let's go around the horn here. We got Cam Poitras in the house. Jeff Braun is back. Jeff, why don't we start with you? Hello. Uh, You know what? I used to really like
5: downhill skiing when I was a teenager and I haven't done it since I was a teenager and I don't know that I would actually do it again, but I I like the thought of doing it again. But I also know how much uh, gravity affects me now that I'm heavier than I was as a teenager. <laughs> to drag me down that mountain at lightning speed! I don't think it would be very safe for me.
1: Where did you uh, go skiing? Like when did you when you did downhill? Where did you go?
5: Oh, I don't, what's it called? La La Revere or whatever.
1: Okay. And is yeah? Did... There's a hill there. That's where we used to go on school trips. So. Okay. Um, yeah, I've only I've done downhill once i think it's at a place that's now closed is it uh, agassiz
2: yeah it's closed that's mccreary and dauphin that was the hill to go to because minedosa had as a ski hill which was awesome but at the time it didn't have a chairlift and i think agassiz was one of the first to get the chairlifts in the province because there's really no hills big enough where that was actually required beyond the rope or a t-bar yeah so yeah agassiz was cool
1: yeah that's right so I i've, I've been there twice the first time i went it was the last day of the season and the snow at the beginning was basically ice and then by the end of the day it was slush so it wasn't the best day the second time i went it had just snowed so it was powder i tried snowboarding that day and i I just I couldn't quite figure it out, but I thought you know what I'm going to put the skis back on, and I had a blast doing that. So I would love to ski, uh, but for me it's got to be skating. You know, we say it every year, got to get out onto the river trail. So once they open that river trail, I need to get my hands on some skate on some skates and uh, try that out. I am scared, and, and listener Kristen actually mentioned that she used to be a very good be very good at skating when she was younger, but she doesn't want to go out onto the river trail. At the risk of looking like Bambi <laughs> wobbling all over the ice. So that's probably what I'm going to look like, but I don't care. I got to give it a shot. Yeah, that's one of my fears is <laughs> looking like that, going down the river trail and slipping and people laughing at me. Well, and that's the thing. We're also scared about about looking goofy, but probably half of the people that are out there are doing the exact same thing. So I don't know. I've, I've only been on the river trail once and it was on foot and I was walking it near the end of the season. Poitras, what about you? I I gotta get out and enjoy the outdoors more this year Like I I gotta get out of that
0: sort of that uh, Miserable winter and stuff like that And I just gotta get out I'm I'm trying to walk more this year You know, bundle up Um, Skiing sounds like a lot of fun I've only ever done that once at uh, At Assisipi and, um, I, I really, I really enjoyed it. I, I was going down the bunny hill and I couldn't stop. And I took my dad out at the, at the bottom <laughs> of it. So, he, cause I was out of control and he had to stop me. And so, uh, he sacrificed himself, uh, on the bunny hill there to, to save me. But, uh, no, it's, it's fun. I, I don't know why I haven't gone skiing again. I really
1: enjoyed it. The one time I did it, I have, I have no excuse. Loren, what about you?
2: Oh, I've been able to do a lot of skiing uh, in my life and not much in recent years. So I'd like to get back to the hills but and try snowboarding because I've never done that. I'd love to try snowboarding. But when you sent this out as a topic this morning, Brett, I went looking just to see what haven't I done, you know, like in terms of winter sports, because i fortunate to have hit quite a few of them and one of the websites i mean it had speed skating which i think would be fun to try it had Ooh. ice driving or ski touring but at the bottom of the list this is where i'm at right now it had relaxing in a spa <laughs> <laughs> as a winter sport and i was like after a long day outside i was like or we can just skip to after a morning go straight to the spa so i'm going to add that onto my winter sporting activities.
1: yeah well and i guess uh Thermea must be closed right now but uh i know that a lot of people love going there in the winter right they've got the you were i guess you can sit outside in a in a hot tub or something or in a cold yeah
2: yeah it's fantastic and actually if you if you ever get out to the mountains there's all sorts of springs uh, natural springs too where you sit in the mountains and you're in this naturally sourced water and it's heated and it's really amazing so i feel like if that can be on a list of sports i'm in
1: now, Bron, Bron you, uh, I know you like going for your walks. I can't remember. Do you have a threshold in terms of, like, if it gets too cold, you're done, you don't go for the walk?
5: Uh, I, I'm trying to, still trying to set it this year. I think it's about minus 15, really. And the main issue is even if it's a bit colder, that's fine, except that I bundle up really well, and I get very sweaty very quickly, and then, you know, that gets very cold if you— Slow down even a little bit, so I don't really like put myself in that position to, you know, potentially give myself hypothermia from my own sweat <laughs> while I'm walking. <laughs> but if it's warmer than minus twenty, even with the wind chill, you know, then I can I can bear a, at least a, a small like a twenty minute walk type of thing.
1: Okay, and Forte, you got what, what? Do you have a threshold for walking?
6: Uh not really. Even last year, I remember there's a uh, day where it was minus forty, and I still went out. Yeah, um, yeah, oh yeah! I I just like to
0: bundle up, and uh, I don't know, it just it, it feels comfortable. <laughs> it's invigorating in a way.
1: Yeah, like your face gets really, really cold, and it's also nice once you get inside. Then you know, when you take everything off, you kind of just feel ah uh, relaxed. You feel a sense of accomplishment, don't you? For, uh, well, that's dress. you. Yeah, you, you you faced the elements and you survived. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's
0: Like the old, going back to the caveman times, like, you know.
2: You're walking down your street in a residential neighborhood, and you're like, "Look at me! I am like, I am an explorer right now."
1: When it's minus forty, you really do feel like because you you, you got to put on like seventeen layers of clothes. It takes ten minutes just to get dressed, and then you finally get out there, and you're like, "Wow, this is cool. Chest
2: but, all puffed out, Ken. that's right. It's like, there you oh go. yeah, yeah. Nailing winter right now. Just killing it. <laughs>
1: I'm excited to talk about this because The Queen's Gambit This is a limited miniseries that debuted on Netflix back in October And it is wonderful For those of you who have not seen it It follows the story of a young orphan girl Who is taught how to play chess By the janitor at the orphanage that she's living at She instantly takes to the game And the show follows her and her quest to become the best in the world are
2: an orphan, Beth
7: I'm fine paying a lot. I feel safe in an entire world of
1: just 64
7: squares. How creativity and psychosis often go hand in hand. Or for that matter. Genius and madness. There's no player in the world as gifted as you are.
2: There is one player that scares me. Who? The Russian. So that ends there with the clip of her chasing after the the dream of beating the Russian. And the series is just remarkable. I have to say, if you had told me I would have binged watch a series on chess just a few months ago, I probably would have told you you were crazy. But it really is incredible. It had us pulling out the chessboard again in our house. And we were curious if it had that same impact in other homes. Uh, we don't need to sell the game to our next guest, of course, Brett. He's been playing for 50 years and is also the president of the Manitoba Chess Association. And Blair Rutter joins us now. Good morning, Blair. Good morning. Well, let's t- talk about that uh, going to the game 50 years ago. What first made you want to play? Because when I was a kid, checkers for sure I got into, but I just never got into chess. What drew you to it?
6: Well, I guess uh, first when I was about 9 or 10, we uh, we got a chess set uh, under the Christmas tree. Uh, and uh, so we started to learn to play. And then in uh, junior high, um, we had a teacher. I was. Uh, I grew up in Miami, Manitoba, and uh, we had a teacher who started a chess club, and uh, that's where I first uh, developed a love for the game.
1: What changes have you seen over the years when it comes to the game's popularity in terms of ebbs and flows?
6: Well, the the first big, uh, I guess, uh, in, well, in in the last uh, fifty years, the the match between. Uh, Bobby Fischer and uh, and the Russian uh, grandmaster uh world champion uh Botvinnik uh back in 72 was the first time that we you know saw an explosion in interest in in chess and then it did uh ebb for quite a while uh until this year when we had uh the um uh well the pandemic which uh, certainly encouraged more people to uh play online uh there's been an explosion in chess uh playing online uh, chess lends itself uh very well to uh to online play and then of course uh the uh, the queen's gambit came along and that uh, further uh
2: uh
6: expanded interest in the game
2: there's, there's a great story being told in the Queen's Gambit of her personal struggles, of course, and so that even if you don't like chess, or you're not interested in chess, there's a whole other line to follow there, Blair. But there is, of course, the game, and the game is at the heart of it. And I'm curious what you thought as a player about how it was pro- portrayed and even just the strategies and moves that they talked about using it. <laughs> did you like it, or did you think it was a bit much? Or, you know, what was your reaction when you watched oh, it?
6: I, I think there's a consensus in, uh, in the chess community that... Uh, it's the best chess movie ever made uh and par- and partly because uh the games are authentic uh they you know they had a former uh, world grandmaster world former world champion uh as uh help them out in in the in the games and so uh that's what i think appeals to chess players uh is is the authenticity of the games but also you know the the atmosphere uh, the tension I mean when you're playing in high level tournaments uh it captures that well uh, and uh, also the journey that a top level player uh has to go through to uh, to get to uh, you know being uh one of the best in the world.
1: has the show done a good thing for the game of chess overall? sure no question there's
6: uh yeah you know, as I say there's uh, been uh, an explosion in interest uh, online, but also uh, expanded it to a broader audience. Uh, we're now seeing a lot more uh, girls an interest in the game. Uh, it used to be uh, pretty much, uh, you know, boys and men that played. And, uh, you know, according to the column uh, last week uh, in the free press, uh, uh, 30% of the women now that are joining chess online are 30% are now women. So, uh, So that's great to see.
2: So what do you hear from people? Like, What is is the thing that you think still holds some people back from trying the game? I even admittedly, I did not play, as I said, as I was younger, but my kids are into it because they learned it through school. And so, of course, we have a board at home now, and they love it. And I like playing with them, but I really struggle. I have to look up all the time. Am I doing the right thing? Is that which one can do? Which direction can this guy go again? And so I still find it hard. And I'm wondering what you hear from people when they say, "Yeah, you know, like I, I wanted to try that, but I just don't get it." What's what's the holdback for the game still?
6: Uh, it does take a little time to learn, like learn all the moves, and uh, or like a, how each player moves, uh, and then of course the strategy. Uh, You know, it takes years to learn how to, how to be a good chess player. So, you know, you know, the key of course is, you know, for a beginner is to to learn the basic moves and then, you know, play, play a few games and you'll get beat of course. But, uh, you know, um, it's kind of a, you need to have a a mix of, um, play and, and study or, you know, and, and, and that's where online chess is quite good is that, um, they now allow you to analyze your game and, and, uh, Okay, here's what you should have done instead of what you did do. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, that way it's uh, it's uh, been very helpful. And there's lots of lessons online too, uh, uh, you know, even for, like even for beginners, how to play chess. So uh, it's, uh, you know, there's lots of lots of ways to improve your game.
1: Well, you mentioned the word lessons. I feel like the game of chess can can help us learn life lessons. And I kind of wonder if there would be a benefit to everybody at the very least, learning the basics of chess. Do you think it would be a benefit for, for kids, for example, to learn how to play chess at a young age, uh, even if they don't go on to like the game or master the game, but just because of what they can take away from the game and apply it to life?
6: Oh, absolutely. In fact, uh, there's been quite a few studies done on that uh, that sort of thing of how, how beneficial it is to uh, to uh, y- young people. I mean, the you know the chess is a game where um yeah you uh you need to think before you act and uh you know actions have consequences good or bad and uh so it uh you know forces you to think think ahead uh okay if i do this what will my opponent do and so it just develops some critical thinking skills to uh to really, you know, that will serve you well uh, later on in life, because uh, you're you're always be faced with uh, situations where uh, you got to weigh the pros and cons of uh, your next move, whether that's uh, in chess or whether it's in life. So yes, absolutely. There's you know there's uh, there's benefits. Uh, you know, one of the I think the best benefits is uh, is uh, learning how to win and lose gracefully. Uh, <laughs> You know, we've all been like all of us have been in a situation in a chess game where you're, you know, you're sailing along and you you got a great position. You think, oh, you know, you're, you're confident, you're confident, you're going to you're, you're sure you're going to win this game. And then you make a blunder and uh, and you end up losing. So it's in those situations, you've got to learn how to control your emotions and just uh, accept that uh, you, uh, you know, you, you, you made an error and uh, next time you'll do better.
2: I love the whole thing about it because, uh, you know, patience is key there too, Blair. And, and before we let you go, we just had a listener text in to say, you know, their game is bridge, but their view is how a person plays their cards, reflects their nature. And so there's something to that too, as you watch people quietly sit across from you, how they react and how they move might be telling in some ways.
6: Uh, yes. I mean, um, you know, there's in in competitive chess, uh, it's, uh, you know, like poker, you keep a poker face, you don't... Uh, you rarely, you, you try to, uh, you you don't gasp when you make a blunder or something. You just try to be uh, very stoic uh, to make sure that you don't give away any, uh, any hints as to
1: what you might be doing.
2: Well, that's not something I've learned yet, I'm going to be honest. The, <laughs> uh-huh. the stoic, stoic play is not in my nature. <laughs>
1: Blair Rudder is the president of the Manitoba Chess Association, joining us live on six eighty CJOB. And Blair, I will also confess to maybe having flipped a chessboard uh, once or twice in my lifetime uh, in disgust because I'm not very good at the game. So. <laughs> yeah, it
6: uh, it can happen, uh, but uh, that's uh, that's why uh, you know
1: teaching kids how to
6: control their emotions that's uh, you know uh, that's an uh, important part of it too. Yes.
1: Blair, thank good you so much for joining check. us this morning. Uh, this has been fun. We appreciate the time. You're most welcome. And uh, yeah, Loren, in terms of the life lessons of chess and just watching the Queen's Gambit again, I, reminded me that I love the game. I'm just not good at it. But uh, like, it teaches you that you to be successful, you need to take risks. And if you don't take risks, then you won't win. But it also teaches you that your risks should be at the very least a little bit calculated. Sometimes you just have to take a leap of faith, but you got to take those risks. But it also teaches you the consequences of your actions, the consequences of your mistakes. You know, I I don't think there's any game that's more devastating when you think you've done something right and then you realize just how wrong you've gone.
2: And you think you've... What gets me is that I will think I've looked at what they'll do, right? If I do this, they're going to do this, this, or that. I'll think... I'll think... I have gone through all the possibilities and then you get beat and you, and you didn't see it coming. And the worst part of it, about that is they're 10. So, you know. <laughs> there you go. Right.
1: Yeah. I remember this was, I think I mentioned this before. I was at garden city shopping center years and years ago. I think I was still a kid and they had a floor sized chessboard, and there were two guys Playing, and they were. I stood there for five minutes, and they they did nothing. They were just looking at the board, and they had you know their hand on their chins. And then when one guy finally stepped up to make a a move, they both had clearly mapped the whole thing out in their heads because it was like a dance. They guy picked up one piece, and the pieces like came up to their knees. So they picked up one piece, and the guy the other guy picked up another piece and the other guy was picking up another piece. Like they they each had two pieces in their hand at any given time because eight pieces suddenly disappeared from the board because they figured it all out. I completely lack the ability to do that. That's why I wish I had learned to play it younger because maybe it would have helped rewire my brain a little bit and taught me how to do that kind of stuff so i don't know i think it's a fun game but i only ever play it when i'm drunk and then that's why i end up flipping the board because i (laughs) i'm already bad at it and i'm even worse when i've had lots to drink The Winnipeg Jets hit the ice on Sunday for the start of training camp, and fans are eager to hear how the players are feeling as they start what will no doubt go down as one truly unusual season.
2: Yeah, of course we know there's no fans in the stands. There's this completely revamped schedule. Those are just some of the changes Brett in this COVID year. But what didn't really change in the off season is the status of one of the Jets' key players. Leah Hextall is hockey analyst and voice of Hextall on Hockey right here on CJOB, and joins us now for more. Good morning, Leah.
7: Good morning, Lorraine. Good morning, Brett. Happy holidays to you both.
2: Yes, same to you. Happy New Year and New Year that's coming with hockey at least. So there's some excitement there for that. And I think one of the big things people thought they might see when it comes to changes this year, Leah, is the fortunes of Patrick Liney because we heard all those rumors for months that he wanted to be traded and yet here we are. He's still with us. Why?
7: You know, Lorraine, I think that narrative has been going on for more than a few months. I think it's been going on for more of a few seasons, except his representation has become more vocal about it. And I think people need to really sit back and understand what Kevin sheffield has done right now. And the fact that Patrick Laine is still a Winnipeg Jet is 110% the right move. We have to remember that since entering the NHL in 2016, Laine has either led the Jets in goals or he's been in the top three. He has consistently been in the top 20 of NHL goal, goal scoring except for last year where he fell out to 22nd. We're talking about a league that has 600 to 700 players, and this is where he rotates. He has scored 138 goals since joining the NHL. So if you're going to trade him, you got to get that back. And in modern day history, to do a star for star, trade is extremely difficult. We do not see it. I think the last one I've seen is defenseman P.K. Subban going to Nashville for Shea Weber coming the other way, and both those players were not in their prime. Line is in his prime. But even if you can find a dance partner and get that trade done and get a star player coming back to the Jets, the fact of the matter is is Line's contract, he becomes a restricted free agent next year. He already makes point seven million 7 million. So somebody has to then not only trade for him, give up the star, they have to sign him. And right now, with a flat cap, COVID decimating the hockey-related revenues due to what you just said with no fans in the stand, no one has that type of cash. This trade is not going to happen, so fix it. And that's what the Jets did. You're going to see Paul Stasny back in the lineup. He's going to be that second-line centerman. He solidifies the top six. And more importantly, he has had success with Patrick Laine. On top of that, he is the type of player Laine likes to play with. He is calm. He is cerebral. He is a talker. Liney needs someone who's not wired like Mark Scheifele or Blake Wheeler where it's just all about hockey. He's more than that. He's hockey and an individual. And he needs a player like Paul Stasny to come in there. So the Jets have done exactly what they should. They have found a solution to optimize the talent of one of the strongest goal scorers within the National Hockey League. So you can expect to see Patrick Laine in a Winnipeg Jets uniform this season and perhaps even beyond due to what's happening in
3: the league right now.
1: Now we heard from Kevin Cheveldayoff in a series of Zoom calls with media yesterday. He said there could be a few pro tryouts at training camp. Can you explain this to us? Because we also know they still have uh, Jack Rosolovich to sign.
3: They actually they
7: absolutely do, Brett. And you're completely right. And this is a little bit of cap gymnastics and we've seen this go on a bit in the NHL, for instance, in St. Louis. They brought Mike Hoffman in, who's the top unrestricted free agent who hasn't been signed yet. And they brought him in on a PTO and people thought, Why are they doing that? Well, they're doing that because you know that they have a contract, likely a one year deal signed and ready to go but the fact is they can't do it until they move a few players to long-term injury reserve which can't happen until the season opens on january 13th at that time when they move those players to ltir they can then sign hoffman because they will have the cap space the jets are in the same position they're running high against the cap if not just a little bit over they do have that rfa and jack Rossovic to sign whether or not that deal gets done kevin Cheveldale did seem to say straight out that that deal would get done yesterday. We will wait and see how that plays out. But he mentioned bringing in a couple guys on PTO because let's remember when the season starts, Brian little likely not playing from everything that we've heard. That's a lot of cap space and 5.2 million that they can move to LTIR. So if they bring in some guys right now to see what they can do. They may be a fit there, especially because Hey, we don't know if Rossovic's going to get signed. You never know what might happen. I don't think he's in the best position for bargaining power right now with the way the league stands. So Kevin Sheveldayoff is doing exactly what he should be because there are some players out there that are in a bad luck situation. They're free agents. No one has cash right now to play with. So let's bring you on a PTO and let's make this work by doing a little somersaults and a little cap gymnastics here in this season.
2: We mentioned off the hop there, Leah, no fans in the stands, of course, this year, at least for the foreseeable future. Usually we used to be able to go watch at least some of training camp if you wanted to, right, if it was out of the ice plaques or other. So lots of people won't get in on even that. But media can watch, and I'm curious what you're looking for as, a, as an analyst as you as you see what's going on in this training camp, because they've had not just weeks off but months off. Will it be clear from the get-go just how in shape these and ready these guys are?
7: You know, Lorraine, I don't think we're going to have to worry about these guys being in shape because, you know, they always are when they come to camp. They're ready to go. They want to get back at it. This has been a difficult time, as you guys were talking about before, with mental health for everyone with COVID-19. That does not change for athletes. This is their release. This is them getting back to doing what they're doing in some sort of normalcy. So I think all these players are going to be ready to go. I'm just really looking forward to seeing some of the young prospects. And, you know, you look at Billy Hanola and Dylan Sandberg on defense and, You know, they've also brought in some veteran players like Nate Thompson and Derek Forbert, who we didn't really get to see all that much after he was brought in last year. But then there's also Cole Porfetti, who is the 10th overall selection, who's been playing at the World Juniors. And it's going to be great to see once they come back, once they quarantine, which will be a bit of a time off between uh, the World Juniors and them getting into training camp, depending on what happens. But there's a lot of talent on this team, and it's a very unusual season once again. And I'm looking forward to seeing not only how the Jets do, but I'm one of those people who is truly thrilled to see the North Division and having a full Canadian division and what that will bring on in this season coming up.
1: Leah Hextall, hockey analyst and the voice of Hextall on Hockey, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Leah, thank you for this.
7: Thank you, guys, and have a wonderful New Year, and I can't wait to see you one day in 2021.
1: I hope so. I look forward to that day, Leah. Thank you very much. And you're going to hear a lot more from Leah Hextall because 680 CJOB, of course, is the voice of the Winnipeg Jets, So we're looking forward to much more of her analysis. Manitobans have been warned to be cautious when around our rivers and lakes. The ice in many spots still has not frozen, particularly on our moving waterways.
2: Yeah, and so that's really why a Winnipeg family is sharing their story. And you've been hearing some of it in the newsroom with Jeff Braun. Uh, Their name is The Cards, and they were recently out for a walk on the Seine River. And at the time of that walk, they didn't question the stability of the ice, at least not on the start. I thought we were fine on the river that that walking there
3: didn't flag it, but it was, um, my daughter was with us as well. She's 11 and she, she found a patch of ice that uh, looked different than the rest of the ice. And funny enough, she was just drawn to it. Like she started to go right to it and it looked different in uh, its color was like, you could actually see it so that there was less ice or sorry, less snow on it. It was sort of um, a gray color and um i know that i had read things about ice safety and and specifically about ice color recently i i tried to find it again but couldn't and there was just something about it and i stopped her from going and um my my son actually got a stick and his intention was he was going to poke it i think the kids really wanted to prove me wrong um but it turns out i guess i was right uh, he never, one never made it to the spot that my daughter had gone to. Um, he he went through before it.
2: So he was submerged in water. I, I believe it was past his waist, almost up to his chest, and he was able to get himself out. And everyone was okay in the end. But Nikki Card for sure would happen to her son on the news with Richard and Julie, and then of course we've been playing it this morning and her remarks on the color of the ice really left us with more questions and so to answer some of them we're joined by Lauren Edwards of the Life Saving Society. Good morning Lauren. Good morning. So as you just heard she said the color stood out and I hadn't really thought about that much before so that's a warning sign though is it not?
8: That's for sure I mean she mentioned seeing sort of a grayish color of the ice and When you see gray, that typically indicates the presence of water. So obviously, we're not frozen as much as we'd like to be. We're not at that four inches thick that we'd like to be in order for somebody to stand on or ski or skate. Uh, So gray indicates the presence of water. Uh, White also indicates there could be some instability there. The ideal, what you're looking for, is that clear blue color. Or even some people describe it as black. Now that's the best; that's what you want. Uh, so the gray is indeed very risky.
1: Well, in, in terms of you know, if we're looking for black or we're looking for gray, uh, are, how, are we talking like a light gray, or because if it's a darker gray, that someone might confuse that with the the blue or the black. Even I could, I would think.
8: Right, that's a pretty, pretty uh, you know thin line, and you know we always recommend obviously best thing to do to be absolutely sure is to actually drill a hole in the ice and actually they do that in various places i mean ice fishermen typically will drill holes in the ice i know the good people at the forks you know before the open river trails and that they're always monitoring for ice thickness so that's ideal that will tell the tale for sure but the black is really quite black Uh, as well as this bluish color as well it's like a clear blue and that will indicate that you've got the kind of thickness you want
2: so lauren you know i think there's folks who will think it's december 30th there's been weeks of cold temperatures there's no way this ice isn't ready for me to walk on it is it because it's a river that there might be those fluctuating um levels and and thickness of the ice or can that happen on any body of water this time of year
8: Yeah, for sure. I mean, flowing water underneath the ice, that will certainly make a big difference. Uh, But what we've also seen this month, as is typical with December and even sometimes into January, is uh, fluctuating temperatures. And that makes a huge difference because often you will get a couple of nights of that freezing temperature. It seems like it's good, but then you'll get a little bit of the warm spell, too. So those fluctuating temperatures can lead to instability of the ice. Uh, what you'll see is sometimes the water level actually drop underneath that initial ice that you see on the top. Uh, so that's where you'll see the risk involved there. So fluctuating temperatures, you know, what we really need, uh, you know, from a from a standpoint, Joe, uh, you know, lunch walking around, you don't want to see it, but from a using the ice perspective, you want to see really several solid weeks of very cold temperatures. I mean, as a rule, I mean, ultimately, as I say, test the ice, that's the best way you can do it, but I don't like to get onto the river ice for skating or anything like that really until January because usually by mid-January in particular, you've got those several weeks of, you know, cold, cold, cold days. Uh, but ultimately, if you, you know, you want to try it beforehand, you know, just please check the thickness of the ice to be absolutely sure.
1: Well, how thick does it have to be before we go on it?
8: Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, we've got 10,000 ice thickness safety cards that we're trying to distribute throughout the city as well as uh, electronically and such. And they all say uh, four inches. You need four inches of ice to either walk, ski, or skate on it. Uh, If you've got a snowmobile, and a lot of people like to uh, take runs on the ice with a snowmobile, you need about five inches. You know, if you're talking about, Pulling your truck onto the ice, and, you know, we did see some, uh, some you know, within the last couple of weeks, some trucks go through the ice at uh, various places where uh, there's some ice fishing. Really, for a truck to go onto the ice, you need between 12 and 15 inches of solid ice.
2: I think that's part of the issue, Lauren. Sometimes we see other people on there, and so we make this assumption that it's okay to go on there. Particularly, I think, when we see the trucks, because you think if the truck can handle it, it's going to be able to handle people. But then I've I've been reading this morning, too, that when trucks travel on the ice, they can cause vibrations and, and move the ice and make it shift. And so you have to be conscious of that, too, particularly as there are those fluctuating temperatures.
8: Yeah, for sure. And I'll just mention some safety tips, too. I mean, if you know you are going onto the ice, you know, be prepared. And that is uh, have some ice picks with you. I mean, ice picks are like short wooden... Or they can be fiberglass sticks. You can buy them at uh, some of the retailers. Uh, they're basically fit in your hand, and they have a metal pick at the end of it. And, you know, should uh, something tragic occur when you go through the ice, you can actually use these picks to help you get back onto the ice. You know, I was reading a little bit about uh, uh, this incident that occurred um, where, you know, you folks talked to the mother and, and uh, and, uh uh, and apparently, I guess the father uh, laid down and reached out to his uh, to his son to bring him. I mean, that's that's great. I mean, if you also have a rope with you, uh, if you have a long pole with you, you know that's even uh, better. Uh, because of course, uh, as was indicated, uh, you know when the boy was trying to get out of the water, he found that the ice around him was was fragile and was breaking as well. So, you know, the furthest away. That you can perform the rescue from that uh, hole, the better. But of course, ideally, you don't perform the rescue at all. You call nine one one if you have time and uh, get the professionals in there to do that.
1: Lauren Edwards is the media coordinator for the Life Saving Society Manitoba, joining us live on six eighty CJOB. Lauren, great to talk to you, man. You bet. Be safe. Winnipeg small business owner is not too happy with our leaders right now. I was flipping through stories on Instagram. That's my social media, as I've mentioned. That's the one where I spend the most time, waste the most time. Greg likes Twitter. Loren, I think you kind of go through all three. But uh, I spend most of my time on Instagram. And uh, I came across a picture of Justin Trudeau on TV. The text on this story read as follows. Let's get one thing straight. We are not... In this together. The people making all these decisions that affect us, their paycheck has not changed. Don't pretend that you know what this is like, or that you are helping me. You're taking everything away from me.
2: And that post came from Shauna Shemnowski, who is the owner of organic tan Winnipeg on Provence, and she also says her business may not make it if level red continues for much longer. To top it all off, the CRA wants her sir back. And so there's a lot to get into here, Shauna. But first, let's just wish you good morning. How are you doing? I am good. How are you? We're we're good. I, I can only imagine maybe y- y- the emotion that was going through that post as you made it l- this weekend and what you're thinking. I don't know what word to use. It Was it frustration, sadness, anger, all three?
7: Yeah, well, listening to it back to I'm like, Oh, that was a little harsh of me. But, um, you know, it was based on emotions. And I think emotions are really high right now, especially this time of year, where everyone's away from their family. Um, I feel like everything is just sort of, you know, talk about, you know, kicking you while you're already down. And um, so I definitely replied uh, on emotion with those words, but I mean, they're very true and and very real for me. So um, yeah, it's exactly just that. I feel like, um, you know, it's easy. Well, I'm not saying that it's easy for a government, definitely not easy. And and I would not want to be in that position and having to make all these decisions because not everyone is going to be happy. But I do feel that, you know, we're kind of one of those businesses that sort of slips through the cracks a little bit um so yeah we're we're definitely struggling um and it'd be really great if we could have more of a long-term plan i mean this year we've been we would have celebrated five years and then we're going to be celebrating six years coming up being open and we're going to be closed for both of those celebrations So it really sucks (laughs)
1: well you're well connected uh you know through in the small business community as well as with the stuff that you do for the community with the everybody campaign you've done a lot of great work for body image uh stuff with uh, women in this city and we we've spoken to you about that kind of stuff before on this radio station so I, I imagine you've probably got some some support or reaction from the post what kind of reaction did you get for that post
7: um i was actually kind of thrown, thrown back, like there was um, a lot of people who feel the way that I feel um, from businesses. Um, And then there was a lot of people who just, you know, empathize with me a lot too, and are rooting for us. So I think that um, it's a bigger issue than maybe a lot of people know that how many people are actually feeling this way.
2: So what's the, I mean, and I know it probably changes day by day because we don't know where this Mm -hmm. is all going to take us, Shauna. But for you and your business, which again is Organic Tan Winnipeg on Provence, Mm -hmm. if these restrictions go beyond January eighteen, sorry, January 8th, do you survive?
7: You know, it's tough because even if we are allowed to open come January 12th, We are a service-based business. So basically the majority of our revenue comes from the services that we provide. So if we are even allowed to open, we probably won't even have appointments because we are, um, you know, right now, especially this time of year, our appointments are coming in when people are traveling to their hot destinations, when they're going to all types of events, fundraisers weddings, you know, in the summer it was grad as well and that kind of thing. So without those restrictions lifted, we even if we are allowed to open, we still will not have any revenue coming in because we won't have any appointments being booked for those things that they can't attend to.
1: Well, I would imagine, though, that there will be some – some clients who want to, to support you and, and get it and come in for a spray tan just because they look like, you know, Casper, I am starting to look like Casper, the unfriendly ghost right now again, because it's December.
7: (laughs) And you know what, it's definitely an essential service for some people. And a lot of our clients are very supportive of that and do come on the regular just for that pick me up. Um, so definitely we will have some, but like the majority of, of, our revenue is, is based on these other events that are, are also being restricted right now.
2: At the end of the day, and I know what you're saying for something, everybody's what they deem essential, you know, might be different from person to person. At the end mm-hmm. of the day, tanning is not deemed essential. And I think we no, can it all is not agree with that in the, in the yeah. fundamental sense. However, mm-hmm. you've put all your heart and soul into this business and all your dollars. <laughs> this is no different than yeah. any other entrepreneur. And, and you also need to get paid. And so the
3: Mm-hmm. The whole
2: thing is not just about your business. It's about the fact that you have no dollars coming in, particularly if the CRA wants your sir back. So tell us about yeah. that.
7: So um, definitely that was not expected as I definitely check off all the boxes and I am 100% eligible for, for it. Um, so I am working with my accountant to see if there is a mistake being made on their part, Um as I've just filed um, my taxes and that kind of thing. So we're hoping that it is a mistake, but um, they've sent me two letters now indicating that they don't believe that it is a mistake. Um, So, and I know I'm not alone in this, but as a small, like, I'm a contractor for a business. I'm self-employed. This is my income. And, you know, maybe month one, if you could come back and say, you know, we're, we don't feel like you meet the criteria and that kind of thing. Other arrangements can be made or I can find another plan. But to come to me 11 months later when I've that's the money I've used to support my family and my bills for the past 11 months, I mean, I don't know how they're expecting I'm supposed to pay that back now. When I've called to make sure that I was eligible in the beginning
1: and I was told yes. Oh, well, hopefully they... We'll get that straightened out, and that that mm-hmm. process could like. Have they given any indication that you know what your deadline is, or that they're going to come banging down your door?
7: <laughs> they did say December thirty first.
2: Oh. So The, the clock's <laughs> ticking there not too. <laughs> right. Pardon, right? I said the clock's ticking there too. You have this deadline yeah, about exactly when you can open or not, but also with that. So for mm-hmm. you, is there? A, I don't even know if I should ask this, but is there a fallback plan? Have you already thought about what am I going to do next if I have to make all these really difficult decisions and close?
7: Well, you know, I've thought about do we, and what I mentioned earlier about having a little bit more of a longer term plan is I can't just go 28 days at a time. You know, so I need to, if we're looking at being closed for six months, I'm, well, I need to get out of our space because any money that we do receive or earn, it goes strictly to rent. So, and business expenses. So, I mean, I, it's a, a debate about, should we just close up the shop, sell what we can online. And when the time comes and we can't open, I just go to mobile services for a while until we find a new space. So, because that's a, our hugest, our biggest expense is definitely rent and, the you know day-to-day business expenses that don't stop
1: well shauna shemnowski hopefully uh the rest- we see some positive things happen with the numbers mm-hmm. and we can see those restrictions get loosened and then you can open up again uh because i could use a uh, spray tan yeah. so you're and, gonna uh, be
7: my first client
1: and you've got uh you do teeth whitening too so i think i could probably we use do. that right okay
7: <laughs> we could all use a whiter smile
1: Shauna Shimnowski, the owner of Organic Tan Winnipeg, it's on Provence, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Shauna, thank you for the visit as always. Thank you. And, Loren, just a fun fact, that's now three Decembers in a row where we've spoken to Shauna. And I think on all three of those occasions, Greg has not been here. It's just been me and you.
2: And I will also add, I think three years in a row, it's been for different topics. An example of how small business does so many things beyond their actual business. In the community, right? I mean, she it's a tanning shop, but as you mentioned, she has the everybody campaign. So we've talked to her a lot about body image and other things. I don't know if we ever had her on for, for the same thing, which also shows the versatility of small business owners. You just find
1: a way to put like to make everything sound like something good and make it sound amazing. So that's awesome. Good for you. you. I'm good. speechless.
2: I'm also thin. <laughs> er than I was at at least one other point in my life.
1: LaBren, I don't know if you saw, we got a text message at 919 at 204-780-6868. And I'm not going to name the person who sent this text message because it's clearly not for us. But the text reads, I hope you have a great day. Let me know if you would like me to order Tim's. I love you. And uh, (laughs) so I've replied. Who's to
2: say that's not for us? Well,
1: yeah, maybe. I I mean, I replied saying I like Boston cream donuts (laughs) and uh, we love you too. Signed McGarry and McNabb.
2: (laughs) I mean, this is quite a delivery if you're coming out my way, but I'm here and I'm ready and willing to accept some Tim Hortons coffee.
1: (laughs) So, uh, just an, I, I, anyway, this listener has now replied saying, ha ha, uh, and who really knows? So maybe it was meant for us. So keep your texts coming at 204-780-6868, uh, because we've had lots of feedback on things like chess, because we had somebody also who mentioned that, uh, I guess when I mentioned that I like that, I sometimes flip the board and they say, come on, it's just a game. Just relax and enjoy. Well, what if... That's part of how I enjoy it. It's my—I got to express my rage in a, in a healthy sort of, semi-nonviolent way. I'm not actually smashing anybody. I'm just smashing the board.
2: Know. It's <laughs> you fun. know how we were just talking about putting a great spin on things. Yeah. I don't know if you're there with this one. <laughs> okay, I tried. You're still gonna I like take, hurt somebody when those pieces go flying. It might shock them. It could send them to tears. What if they pick the board up and throw it back at you? They just got a full board fight going on.
1: Well, oh, that would actually be fun. I think yeah. that could be the next evolution. So we could it could be it starts off as drunk chess, and then it could be drunk chess wrestling warfare. I don't know.
2: And the parts could only be thrown at certain parts of the body. So the rook can only oh. go for the head, you know, bishop for something else, et cetera.
1: You've just created like a really awesome new game, Loren. That's You're it. on fire.
2: And if you catch it, they're automatically out like dodgeball. Oh, my out. God. Loren is on fire officially,
1: <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Many restaurants are offering special takeout feasts for New Year's Eve. And in many cases, you can order alcohol with your meal for takeout or delivery. Now, when you're sitting in a restaurant, it's easy to ask questions about, you know, if you're interested in pairing alcohol with food, you know, you can ask, well, what drink would go well with this particular meal? But when you're ordering takeout, uh, I'm, I am would be completely in the, in the dark, and I wouldn't know how to pick.
2: Yeah, mine would end and start with wine and then (laughs) dealer's choice I suppose because it's hard to know right and so we have these questions we often turn to our friend Christopher Sprague who is the sommelier at 529 Wellington and he joins us now good morning Christopher good morning how are you doing today we're good. Before we get into the wine question, Brett was telling me that when he was exchanging texts with you yesterday about getting you on the show, you had said, oh, sorry, I didn't get back to you. I was out trying cross-country skiing for the first time. So I'm curious, uh, how are the lakes today? How did it go?
4: Oh, it, it was a little rough. I'm not going to lie. Trying <laughs> is definitely the operative word on that. <laughs> but it's, it's amazing how beautiful the weather has been. So this has been a, a very mild winter to get out and enjoy it
1: more. Are you gonna pursue it further? You gonna try it again?
4: Uh that's uh yeah, that's up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> I I I definitely give it another shot, but uh I might need a few more glasses of wine to to, to ease the pain a little. <laughs> you're using muscles you never used before, right?
2: Oh, it, it, it's, it, but once you get into it, we've had a few people text us this morning that it really is a really fun thing to do in winter. So I think once you're into it, Chris, it'll, it'll improve greatly. But you mentioned the pain. It's been kind of a painful year, particularly for those in your industry or for many industries. Uh, how have you been doing?
4: Uh, well, it's 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 definitely been a challenge. Um, having the restaurants closed to the public and only open for delivery and pickup service is a completely different business model than we ever looked at. Especially when it comes to it, to the wine service, right? Because that's uh, that's my area of expertise. We don't see a lot of uh, well, we don't see our guests be able to have as much contact with them or we'll be able to talk to them about these subjects as much. So. It's been a it's it's definitely been challenging. I'm I'm looking forward to it being opened up again next year, uh, as soon as we can. That uh, will definitely make a change for all of us.
1: No, you were offering a special menu for New Year's Eve, which I saw yesterday on your social media that it's sold out. Uh, yeah, we, but we, you we, could we, order wine uh, with that, and you can order it with other takeout orders that you offer at your restaurant as well. So, how does one? make the right choice or educate themselves to make the right choice if they're doing it for takeout?
4: Well, I think I think there's a couple of factors that make takeout kind of interesting. It's because you can – you're at home. You don't have to go anywhere. So you could open up more than one bottle to try stuff, I think, it would be very interesting. And then you can get, kind of see how the wine and food would interact. Uh, so what we did at Five to Nine is that we actually – I made a, a more of a condensed menu that is – normally we have a wine list that consists of over a thousand different kinds of wine. But with this one, uh, I made it more focused on to match our food better. So with the smaller list, it's very, there's no real bad choices on it, just different styles that you'd really like. And I think it's more open to great wines. So, it, it, it lends itself better to the, our food and kind of focuses the attention to wines that I think were some of the best that were on the wine list. So it, it kind of simplifies it a little bit. But I so think if you – yep, yeah, please go No,
2: ahead. No, I was just going to ask because I'm curious, like, you know, your, one of your signature foods is, of course, the steak. Is that still being ordered a lot? Because that – or is there, is there the takeout menu of food giving different options to your customers? And therefore, we might be looking to different wines depending on what we're ordering.
4: Well, steak is always number one. But I think with being able to order at home gives, us a little, gives you a little more flexibility, right? Yeah. Because you can order two meals and share them more easy and stuff like that. So I think having more flexible wines is the way to go. So you, you never want any wine that has any extreme flavors to it. I think if you keep it... Kind of uh, uh, softer, without any uh, harsh flavors. You can really zero in on what matches the food the best right, that way.
1: And in terms of the the offerings that you have, like, do you have wine on your list that can't be purchased in a store?
4: Oh, very much so. So these are the wines that have always been special that we 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 have a uh, we we've either purchased them all so. We have uh, uh, very highly allocated wines, as they say, that uh, mainly only a few cases came into Manitoba, um, which makes it great. But we also have favorites that people would recognize as well that uh, uh, you can find at the at various wine stores in Winnipeg. So I think a good variety is the way to go with it with the takeout menus.
2: You know, it's something I hadn't honestly thought of with my takeout very much uh, this year, Christopher. Now I'm thinking I must I'm going to have to change my mind. Are you getting a lot of requests to have the you know some pairings or some wine suggestions for folks who are ordering uh, those steaks home?
4: It it, it's been, it it hasn't been as 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 busy as we'd like to see it because I think there is more opportunity there, and I think people don't realize that. The wine uh, that that especially the restaurants are putting up is really focused to go with the food that they're serving. Mm -hmm. So it it already is that that match is already kind of built in. So I think there's there's more of an opportunity to you can guarantee that you're going to get a good bottle of wine that you're going to enjoy with the food a little bit more. And I, I think as this goes on, I think people are going to find it more interesting to explore wines like that instead of going to know their local store and drinking the same thing they always have i think that's the best way to discover new wine is to drink more of them right and i i think that's the easiest way to find a new favorite or find a new match with the food that works best with with the
1: for somebody did you hear that loren the best way to, to figure it out is to just drink more wine
2: Oh yeah, no, I wrote sure. it down. I, and then I pulled out my highlighter and then I'm going to frame it whenever I reach into the cover no, I I, I have so many things that I wonder too about pairings because I think there's also this uh, perception ahead, Chris. We have this idea of what, what should go with fish and what should go with meat and what should go with red meat. And is it always red wine with red, red meat or can you expand into other things?
4: No, I'm, I'm an absolute huge believer when it comes to food and wine matching, you, you should drink what you like and eat what you like because it, when, it, when a wine is good. I also good highlighted
2: food, that just so we're clear. I've written that down. Drink what you like and it, eat what you like. But no, continue because I, I always thought it had to be red wine with steak.
4: No, it's not. If you, if you actually look at how uh, uh, food, there's, there's two real thoughts to food and wine matching. Um, you could either match perfectly balanced flavors. So if you're having a, uh, like a, a, a steak or something like that, you want a really rich wine that can go with those big flavors. And that's that, 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 that matching equal amounts of flavor and weight kind of to the food. And then there's like a, a, a balance as well. So you can kind of drink something that's the opposite of what you're eating. So the best way I could describe that was like if you had, uh, you know, a really heavy cream sauce on Alfredo or something like that, you could have a really crisp, clean white wine. And it kind of balances that flavor, right? So you kind of think of the yin and yang to it. Those are the two best ways to match wine. So, you know, red, red wine and uh, red meat, yeah, they do work very well together. But why couldn't you do a very rich kind of Chardonnay with uh, beef? I think it would work incredibly well as well. And the same opposite with fish. You can use a really nice light red wine and go beautifully with it.
1: If people have questions, like when they come to the restaurant and sit down, part of the, the service is that you come out and tell them about the wines and answer their questions and make suggestions. Obviously can't go sit down in the restaurant, but if we call the restaurant, are you available to answer questions? Like, Is that something you guys are offering? Absolutely.
4: So uh, if you call the restaurant, uh, they can always ha- give you a, a way to contact me and I'd be delighted to uh, answer any questions. I, I'm, I'm very easily reachable. My email is somalia 529 at gmail. If you if you have any wine questions, I I, I I got I got more time now than I've had in a long time to be able to answer these questions. It's been such a strange it 's not working, you know, every single day for the month of December. So it's, uh, yeah, I, I I love talking wine. So it's always my pleasure. <laughs>
2: Man, I, I can't wait to email you tonight with um, having some chips right now. And I was just thinking <laughs> yeah. I'd like to pair that with, <laughs> with a I mean, nice wine. Believe it or not, this, this,
4: this ties in really well. The best wine to go with potato chips is champagne.
8: Yeah, Champagne. Unbelievable,
4: unbelievable match. <laughs> Unbelievable. Even, even any sparkling wine, especially because you have, it's, it's that balance, right? So you have the bubbles and the acidity that balances off the saltiness and the richness that potato chips have. Phenomenal
2: match. Plus, it makes it more high-end. New Year's
4: plan. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) How to to elevate salt and vinegar
1: chips, right? Oh, my God, you
2: even picked my favorite chip. All of this is just, it's right in my wheelhouse. I I can't wait.
1: I'm with (laughs) you. Well, Christopher Sprague, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate the visit, as always, and we look forward to the next time you can uh, drop in to, to see us here at 201 Portage. Absolutely. I look forward to it. Christopher Sprague is a Somali at 529 Wellington. And look, I know I think a lot of people, when they hear 529 Wellington, they might have that reaction, like, well, I can't. Oh, that's a fancy place. And it is a fancy place. But, I mean, they've got burgers. They've got a Reuben sandwich on their menu that's reasonably priced. I've ordered takeout from them a couple of times in recent weeks after we... Spoke to the people behind that website. Let's order delivery because Five Two Nine Wellington does their own delivery. Yeah. I live two minutes away, so I just went and picked it up. But you can get a bur- like. We went there for lunch a couple years ago. Me, you, and Greg and just got a burger and fries
2: and your gravy that I ate. It that- was all good. <laughs> That's right. You had some of the gravy. That's yeah. right. <laughs> I forgot about that. Should just- have asked him what I pair with gravy.
1: <laughs> well, hang on a second. I think he's still there. Chris, are you still there? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> One more question from Loren. Go, Loren.
2: Well, we were just talking burgers and fries and gravy. So what goes well with gravy? And I'm focusing oh, hard on the gravy here.
1: That's such a good question. Well, gravy
4: definitely is its own food group. <laughs> uh, I, I, again, I like that balance. Gravy's really, really rich fr- flavor. So I want a very clean wine to go with it because I want the gravy to taste like gravy. Highly recommend good Italian red wine, maybe Sangiovese from Tuscany or something like that, or a really nice, clean, crisp white wine, say Sauvignon Blanc, or maybe even a little Riesling might work if you like something a little sweeter. Go well with Turkey as well.
1: A volcano of wine information. Christopher, thank you as always, sir. Cheers. Okay. Happy New Year to Chris. You had to Spring. cut him
2: off because I'm going to just keep asking more questions. Like now I've got to follow up a trisket. A trisket <laughs> with a nice cheddar cheese. What would you do?
1: Hey, thanks for listening to the start podcast. We are available on Apple podcast, Google podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts, subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think.